2: got into an argument on the bus about a song you know and he hit me it was like an open hand but still enough to bust my lip you know it took me to the ground it was like you know because he he said he was a god he actually (laughs) said that he said i'm a god called me a faggot (gasps) you know and then and and while he's raging on top of me you know he go i go um i go you know he's a I was like, yo, you gotta hit me, just hit me. Cause I wasn't fighting it. That's, that's, that's the thing about f- fighting is a lot like sex. Um, It's very different, you know, without consent, it's a different act, right? So, like, if I don't agree to fight you, we're not in a fight. You're just assaulting the person.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Benny Goodman. I wanna be really solemn today because we're gonna talk about some serious, heavy ass shit here on the show, 2020. I'm here with my partners, the, 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 I, I think my hostages in this situation that's going on with the bad wolves, Corey and Siobhan. How are you guys, man? Are you guys, are you guys hanging in there?
3: Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a little like disturbed by the way you're speaking right the now. The ominous.
1: I'm
0: voice. disturbed by Tommy Vexed and all the weird ass shit that that fucker's saying. And I didn't know who the real bad wolves were after this It's last very fitting. Week.
1: I mean, we got into some, yeah, some deep shit with Doc about what was going on with Bad Wolves, getting the new singer, stuff with Tommy. So it was definitely a, a very eye-opening and insightful interview with a lot of emotion behind it. So yeah, we get into yeah. some really cool
3: stuff. Yeah, if you're not familiar, uh, the, the boiled down point is that there was some drama, there's a singer leaving, singer coming in, and then a lot of social media shit blowing up over the last, you know, several weeks. So...
0: But I, I want to say that we touch upon something that's very important and that's assault um in this episode and doc really I couldn't believe how open he was about this and like I want people to understand that we really appreciate doc coming on our show and and sharing because I don't know my jaw was on the was on the floor
3: yeah
1: so stay tuned part one with Doc Coyle right now <laughs>
3: Welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Peza here, as always, with Siobhan Cronin and Benny Goodman. What's up, guys? Hello.
1: Not much. Just coming back to life after a festival weekend.
3: I know. We'll have to get get into some of that stuff. You know, last time uh, we had our amazing guest on, I think we were still in the midst of a little bit of a global shutdown type of situation, but I do want to We have only had
0: one amazing guest this entire hundred episodes, (laughs) and he's back, so thank
3: you. So welcome back, Mister Doc Coyle of Bad Wolves, the X Man podcast, and fellow Sound Talent Media. Fans. The real Bad Wolves, by the way,
0: the actual band, the Bad Wolves. If that's you guys right. are googling this, there's some confusion on the internet. There is only one real Bad Wolves, and it contains Doc Coyle from a band called God Forbid. Just so you guys know,
2: Clarify. Well, I'm wearing this shirt, so you know. That's how you know. You know Woo. the the, uh, the backs is real. That's awesome no, This is a Timberwolves jersey It's like the Prince edition Minnesota Timberwolves jersey So you know I keep it real Well, Thanks go. for having me back I really appreciate it Even though it's not 2020 anymore I don't know why y'all you got that old ass You're getting 2020 know. right now
0: Online constantly By a megalomaniacal crazy person That's an X-Man Is this <laughs> ironic Alanis <laughs> Morissette Because I just saw her the other night and she was amazing
2: no, I was, I was like, I was trying to explain to people because you know, because a lot of you know, a lot of people will kind of come in and give you advice, you know, how to handle it, and you know, I get a lot of these, Doc. I hope you're well. We're, we're thinking about you, like you, like, like, like your house just like got death. F- just got <laughs> flooded in like a hurricane, and you're like sitting on like top waiting for like helicopters, like they know you at the rough time. So it's like people, people check in, and, I, and actually, if you think about it, at least in rock, I, don't, I just don't think this has ever happened. What we're going through. I don't think I, I'm like I think we are patient Zero for this uh, Adventure and if you're not clued Into the online experience you have No idea it's happening
0: <laughs> Dude, I just want to let you know so I, I Was on another podcast earlier and I was Talking about interviewing you and he's like have you been watching So I went back and I got like my Leftover food and I went and, and like Literally went through the whole diatribe And let me Tell you if I was Dr. Drew I would be making some serious assumptions Right now about your ex singer I'd be like going online and be like, whoa, this dude has like a, uh, he's narcissistic, megalomaniacal, like weird shit going on. Maybe some sociopathic things. go He's clearly a liar. I'm, I'm reading this stuff and I'm like, does he, re- I, I want to live in his head, dude. You
2: got <laughs> enough. You need, listen, you need a, like a mach- listen, there. You need a machete and like a Gatling gun and, you know, it's a, it could probably be a dangerous space. It's listen, like the I, cell? I, General no, I tried is that, coming out. No, but seriously, I try not to get into the, um, kind of back and forth. I don't, I don't feel like it's, uh, listen, there's, I've said a handful of things, but I always try and state it in the most kind of calm and measured, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, Obama's my man. So I'm like, look, I think the American <laughs> people need to understand. Well, there's not a, inter- a American, there's not a bull America. There, there's just United States America. You know, I'm always trying to be the diplomat, you know, and bring the people together. So, um. You know, and I always I always say, like, uh, you know, kind of one of the keys to, I think, dealing with conflict is not always to meet the energy of the people that are opposing you. So if someone comes in and they're an asshole, you don't have to be an asshole to them. You can set your own standard of your kind of uh, energy and your attitude. So the truth is, is like, you know, we got a new song out. It's blowing up. And, it's through, and, and so, and it's just the beginning,
1: <laughs> yeah so
2: so you know that's like the reality on on the ground um and you know listen if people ask me questions i'll answer questions but i'm definitely not going to try and overly focus on that or get into a war of words because it just the truth is because of this divisive stuff with the fan base they're like the kids in the divorce who don't want to see their parents argue mama that is up higher all ah, right you know so, if, if we say anything, we're damned if we do, damned if we don't, right? we don't say anything, right. then you're just getting beat up, right? And if you say something, it's like, look at Dan, just up in the fight, you know? So it's like, it's a, it's a, it's just, it's a very odd position, you know? So, but listen, it's, I never been in things like this, but you know what? I know what, what on the other end of it, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be a much stronger weathered person, you know what I'm saying? It's gonna be my personal nom.
3: Yeah, <laughs> well, we know yeah. from we know from talking to you last time that you're very uh, thoughtful in terms of handling situations. You put a lot of thought into uh, even studying history and similar events. You actually talked to, at the time. Um, I don't know if you guys had made the decision, yet, but you were you were talking about how you were looking for a new singer and how you weren't going to rush into it. How you're going to be very calculated uh, and and pay attention to you know music history's previous singer replacements, and and things like that. Um, so. First off, after hearing the new single, uh, good fucking choice. Thank Great you. fucking choice. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And, and I, I don't know DL personally, but uh, we're friends with All the Remains, and Jason Costa is a friend of ours, and he has spoken incredibly highly of him as just as a person. So yeah. I think that uh, you know just from hearing him and knowing kind of his reputation, that seems like an amazing fit. So congratulations on on that. Can you talk just a little bit maybe about the process of narrowing down? Sure. That decision.
2: Well, the interesting thing is you know when. The split happened, we had a song like an old Bad Wolf song that DL sent us a version of within like 24 hours. And so he was like, and I, so it was like this crazy thing where everything happened. I was like, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden you're like, the first thing you hear is basically there's no drop off in quality. And you're like, okay, we're like, we're like the least, the worst version of this, at least on record, the band is basically keeping it rolling. Right. And then it's just a question of like personality and charisma and stage presence and all this other stuff that you obviously want out of someone. But then despite that, we went on, you know, a three month kind of process of having demos submitted. We never went public. We never like went, hey, hey, uh, singer in Ohio, send us your your, your demos. in. it was all like we were on the prowl and then people who knew us would kind of hit us up and. Um, we didn't want it to be too public, and we kind of—and the truth be told, man—I mean, for the style of music we do, because the band is so diverse, the band is so heavy in some regards, and so kind of commercial and light in other regards, it's like trying to find individuals that can cover this range, and then also have the look and have uh, all those kind of those things that you can't even really put your put your finger on. There's just not a lot of people out there that can do this stuff, right? Can that that can became I tell really. You? Uh, I.
0: I, Corey's so mad at me. I interrupted you in the middle of an idea because I had an idea. Yep, yeah, I We're see it. <laughs> but I was going to say because there was a comment that like you reminded me of. It's my favorite comment on the internet right now about you guys that was meant as an insult. And I think it's literally the best comment. Like, if someone wrote this about me, I'd be stoked. They said, Leave the nickel backing to Nickelback. First off, I love Nickelback. Me too. Secondly, I think some of the records are like the best sounding records. Third, all they've ever done is sell records and make people happy. Four of you meet them, they're Canadian, they're super nice. Five, their favorite band is Slayer. Six, they make gajillions of dollars. Seven, Devin Townsend, probably one of my favorite, most influential people on the planet, says he loves them. So for someone to say, like, you sound like Nickelback, it's basically saying, like, did you know that you made the the Black Album by Metallica? Which, again, some people hate, but it's, like, one of the greatest things it's ever made. I listened to this new song, and I can't stop singing it and if it's supposed to be obnoxiously awesome, Why do you sound angry it about is. it? It is. I am <laughs> literally walking around my house, going like, no 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 na i am like, these fuckers. It's like the song that won't get out of my head.
2: You're Well, listen, it's funny that, because there's definitely songs on the last record, and there were songs that we didn't write. It was like, Tommy went and worked with other songwriters. And I think they're really good songs, you know, like Killing Me Slowly, that has that kind of Nickelback vibe. You know, but I think with this record you know, we kind of wanted to reclaim the sound a little bit. Um, and it's a great sound, but let's sound like what we sound like, you know, as opposed to sounding like anyone or kind of, uh, you know, so that, that I mean, I think the only thing about that, that I think it kind of made the band feel a little more watered down on the last record, at least regards to like radio and stuff like that, where you kind of it sounds like whatever else is on the radio. And that's fine because mm-hmm. they were successful both, you know, that and Sober both were number one, but it didn't really, I don't feel like it represented me. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, that's just that's just me personally, whereas Lifeline, and that's a little more on the commercial side of the record. It's still heavy. It's still ballsy. It's still, you know, I got to do a rip and guitar solo. Your solos like-
0: rocks, dude. I was <laughs> going to yeah, say, your solo awesome.
2: fucking rocks. Out of, it's not out of
0: nowhere, but like all of a sudden I'm like, okay, it's good. It's good. Like, whoa, I couldn't even do that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like people but the thing is like you know such and such will say they didn't play on this song they didn't play on that song it's like no one asked me no one let me like so like like would songs just be on the record and you no one said hey doc i'll do a solo so now i actually get the opportunity to do a solo turns out i can i can hit a note or two you know if, if given <laughs> you're all right the, if you put <laughs> me in the okay. game if you put me in the game coach i'll probably hit a couple shots so
3: <laughs> that's yeah. incredible uh so what was uh you know how how is the the change been you know creating that music uh in this new perspective and new
2: situation well keep in mind you know there was basically when the split happened there was basically a record that existed more or less Uh, but a lot of that the the record that was there was stuff that we weren't a part of that we were not allowed to be part of stuff we didn't really want on the record so we took about two-thirds of that stuff and then pretty much you know altered everything that was left over if that makes sense so I'm, I'm trying to be careful my words you know um it made sure it was, it was our creation and then we you know when then we wrote a handful of other new songs and there were even songs there's probably i don't even know eight songs that didn't even make the record that i mean really good stuff you know uh there's two b-sides that are great a little bit kind of like right in that that heavy heavy point but uh you know, I mean, there's a song that D.L. wrote. He brought in all the music, you know, um, there are songs that like one song is a song I wrote that when Tommy was in the band, like it wouldn't even be considered. So it's like I, you know, it's like so it's like we had to flush some shit out. And then it's like, OK, now now, you know, the brother gets a, a chance to kind of do it, do, do his thing. But it was really cool because it's because of that, we only got to really scratch the surface of what we can do with D.L. Um, but there were songs like we go in. And they're literally at the beginning of the day. There'd be no vocals written, maybe a little. We'd like we have a little something, but we'd like write everything in a day or two. And all of a sudden, you like you're really building the songs from a vocal and kind of melody standpoint and all, and all that stuff. And it just seemed to work really well. But it's really going to be on the next record where we can where we're like starting from scratch, whatever that means. Even though we have all this leftover material, because you know, like me, I'm a big, I'm a very conceptual thinker. Right. I'm big picture. I'm like, all right, guys, what's the what's the what's what's the story we're telling? What are we going for? I think some of the other guys are a little more. They just kind of go. They just go where I want I want everything to be part of a bigger idea, you know, and that sometimes gets a little bit more difficult to do. But one of my big goals this record. Not that I'm like the number one songwriter in the band, but I but just in terms of trying to be like an executive producer or trying to is like I wanted stuff to fit more in. A singular lane as opposed to being AD- ADD where there's like there's a song on our last record called Forward Friend and then it's the heaviest song on the record it's right next to Sober which sounds like you know you hear that shit in Walmart so it's like <laughs> and that's cool and all yeah. but I feel like you it's much easier to divide your audience when the, it's so varied you know and it's and it's varied on this record but for some reason it feels more congruent.
3: Yeah, I think that's important. That, that this, you know, all all our favorite records for those of us that actually you know, grew up listening to entire records and not just singles. There has to be some sort of story, if not 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 a you know completely blanket monotone voice, but a story that goes throughout an entire record. That's something that with it with our band Lost Symphony was paramount because we don't have lyrics, so we you know, we spent a lot of time trying to find a thread and and you know considering it was our stuff was recorded over
2: several years we actually made an effort not to make it too different. Because we were changing singers, we wanted to do things that felt kind of in the Bad Wolves canon, so to speak, so that it wasn't like jarring when they heard the new singer. So on the next record, I was like me, I just, I feel like when you're in this position where you have, you know, the spotlights on you and you can actually do something different with the genre and break boundaries. Like I want to take Shit to the next level, but we kind of like. I don't say we played it safe, but we we just we didn't want to go too far. There's definitely songs where it's like, oh, here's a new thing, here's a new thing, but we didn't go crazy with that. And I'd kind of like to go crazy with that at some point, but you know, but I I wanted people who who listen to the band to go, okay, this makes sense from what I know.
0: Well, something really interesting is you know DL from from the Acacia Strain, and he he's a sick guitarist, dude, and like now. He's, like, replacing a, a front man that a lot of people thought defined your band, which clearly is not the case, right? And he fits not only right in, but it's like, dude, uh, what's that like as, as a guitar player watching another guitarist walk in and then just be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing, and then he fucking owns it. Is he looking at you going, I should play rhythm? Or is he like, you're Eddie Van Halen, and he's Sammy Hagar. I don't need to play right now.
2: You know what's funny is, like, so he actually wrote a chorus – on our last record called Kill the Consumers uh, for us. But even before that, when the first record came out, he like blew up my DMs, how much he loved the band. He he wanted, he was like, I'm gonna join your band. I'll be the third guitar player. Like he was, he just Uh loved Bad Wolves as a guitar player, you know, Um, and so it's kind of ironic. It all all came around, but you know, honestly now it's like having an Adam D in the band or a Devin Townsend or someone like this, just someone who can write, who can produce, who can, you know, because there's songs on the record that you know he did some guitar playing and production stuff in his studio, and you know, and some I think yeah he did some vocals at his his studio as well. So it's like having like that, just, a, just a you know one man band basically, and you're adding that to kind of this already really deep ta- talent pool. It's, it's like little, Mike
0: Patton showing up with all of his like controllers yeah. and his guitar and his friends. He's like, I know the executioners. I can do everything you need. Here's, by the way, here's Synchronicity by the Police. Here you go. This is gonna be our next record.
2: Yeah, and it's and the truth is, even as a vocalist, I'm like hearing what he's doing now. I'm like, but well, what happens when we go on the road for a year and he like is developing his voice and singing all the time? He's just gonna get better at that, you know. And as far as him playing on stage, I mean, he can do whatever the hell he wants. I don't, I don't give a damn. You know what I'm saying, take some take some load off of me. You know I'm saying? I'll, t- I'll be in. The- I'll take this song off while you go out there and shred.
0: <laughs> Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, you guys, if you decide to pull out three guitars for a song and just go extra, I'm telling you right now, especially with someone as good as DL, that's fucking relentless, and I can't wait. Because one of the things I loved about God Forbid, a- and also with this new song, is that you guys just sound huge. Like Your guitar sound is just like, here's my balls on your head. It's just like... Oh! Sexual
2: <laughs> assaults yes assault, yes right? put your balls sexual on chocolate head. bro
0: it no. was
1: assault in a good way though because when i first listened to it i'm like man this is <laughs> awesome it's so sorry that sounded terrible like, but yeah like, it's, super it's
2: balls <laughs> are salty we get it <laughs> siobhan likes to be assaulted with salty balls
1: no, anyway, not not to go backwards. But canceled. I'm car- We're
2: canceled. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I think we've been canceled. We have Benny Goodman on the podcast, so we've been canceled long ago. But speaking of being canceled, we had a funny article that we found today. We we had talked to Satchel from Steel Panther, who's also going through you know a member change, trying to find someone new. And you know, you had mentioned that you had your eyes on a few people, didn't really put out you know word out into the public looking for someone. How? You know, can you go a little bit more into the process of how you chose DL? And, you know, maybe some some of the things that you looked out for, what sealed the deal for you when it came to him?
2: So what we did was, you know, we got a bunch of instrumentals of some old songs. And then, you know, we'd send them, (laughs) people would, we get in touch with people. they reach out to us, reach out to them, send the material and say, hey, just, you know, record these three songs. We just wanted to hear a range of, like, ballad type stuff, kind of mid-range, kind of aggro rock, and then some heavier stuff. And so we probably got, I don't know, like 30 submissions that way, you know, cause we weren't just going to like, let just anyone do it. Unless you, we kind of saw your, you know, we check out your stuff, either your band or if you're on YouTube or whatever, TikTok and and see, you know, but dude, and but we were, I mean, I would spend whole nights just like on YouTube on looking up hashtag covers, you know, people doing this. And truth be told, I cut, like, I think that the, the fantasy was that, oh, there's just going to be some like 25-year-old kid from like London who's, you know, looks like Billy Idol who can just do everything, you know, like this like diamond just sitting there. And then you find the
0: guy from Journey who's like from Vietnam or wherever, Thailand or something (laughs) like that. He sounds like Steve Perry, but it's just strange.
2: No, but it's the truth is most of those people that have that, but they're already in bands, right? They're, they've more or less, it's very like rare when someone's just, completely undiscovered, or you have someone who's really cool, they're great, but maybe what they do doesn't quite fit. Like something with us, like we put, um, for us the singing ability was, we put vastly over screaming. Like screaming was, you need to do something. You can't be able to not scream at all have some type of heavy voice. But, you know, we view ourselves as a, a metal band that also is a rock band. So it's like the voice is no, is number one, you know? Um, and then, after that, it was just like the actual tone of the voice. Because so there were people who sent in great tapes, but the tone of the voice just didn't fit the band. It was maybe a little too thin or not. And the main thing is just it had to sound soulful. That, Can I that, tell you that,
0: what I like about DL that I noticed right off the bat is that he has like almost like a vibrato, like the way he pulls off notes. It's I almost want to say it's kind of Mike Patton-y, like where he has this, this kind of like rough vibrato and it's like, where you might think, oh, this is auto tuner. There's so much soul at the end of every one of his notes. I was like, oh, this dude has like a vibe because you're just so used to like everyone having like that same auto toned, perfect production voice. Like that's a thing now. Like that cookie cutter stuff. And like he ha- like differentiates enough where I like I I would know DL now because of your music.
2: Yeah, but it's but that to me was like. Something that we wanted to keep consistent like well. There are some dudes like you know offense. It's like it just sounds a little too white It's a little too white. We need a little you know We know is that need why some, you never some, called me? I yeah, it's a little too, That's all right, mambo my dad, number five wasn't your bag. I, I thought you would like mambo number five so my, my dad who is you know who is no longer with us, but was white as the day is long. If my band, if Godfrey wasn't playing well, he come to the show. He's always, you guys sounded white today. Like and it was not a compliment. <laughs> it was my side today. <laughs> he's like, but he was saying that about our drummer who was black. He's like, Corey was playing white today.
1: that's hilarious oh my gosh (laughs) that's got to be tough though because like even over the internet speaking of finding people let's say it's somebody that you don't know or that's that kind of new it's so much stuff can be so heavily produced even if you're doing like a bedroom recording okay so that
2: so so that brings me to the next step so then once we had a bunch of like 30 of those we whittled it down to about six people to see in person and we got in a room and we jammed and then you started to see, like, okay, this is kind of separated, you know, the uh, you know, the, the wheat from the chaff, as it, as it were. And it actually made me really realize, man, these songs, especially the older songs, are really tough to sing, man. There's a lot, wide range, really high, a lot of, you know, varieties, a lot of speed and stuff. So it was the people, you know, when you get to see it in the room and, you know, our setup is okay, but it almost like it didn't do you any favors, you know? And then we whittled we down to, like, three people. And then we did, we had people track new songs and we we're like, okay, it's cool. You can sing on old songs. It's really, how do you sound on new material? And, you know, and those three people were great. They're all phenomenal. I mean, I almost feel like we probably would have been successful almost with, you know, like with either of them, because they were so, so talented. Uh, but it, it was a unanimous decision with DL. And I think it was, you know, just the tone of his voice just felt the most correct. And, the way he got along with the band was so easy and familiar. And that's something, you know, that I think is a little underrated, right? Like that, just the chemistry and like knowing, and honestly his, the thing, I didn't even really factor into it at the time with everything that's going on right now, his temperament is like Like he just, nothing bothers him, you know? And now he's like people, you know, he's getting harassed, people sending death threats and shit It's like not cool, you know? you know, it's, it's the ultimate not cool, but I don't. That's the one thing I think that actually sets him apart is I don't know if anyone else would have had the temperament to deal with the kind of firestorm we're going through right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, you're stepping right into an already stressful situation where you're dealing with things that have never happened before in a lot of ways. So uh, good for him. That's amazing. It's a, it's a really tough find. I can imagine it's a huge feat.
2: Yeah, but, but here's the thing. But he's never fronted a band you know, so I think there's definitely going to be a learning curve there of like going from being the guitar player and not touring for a while and kind of finding his footing there. And that's fine. Like we are just go out there. I think the main thing is sound great. That's that's the main thing. And then everything else I think will eventually fall into place. So just we just got to get on the road. and You just got to get the reps. You do it. You do it. You do it. And uh, but we'll see. We don't know when we're playing like because there's legal stuff with that. So we'll figure that out.
1: Yeah.
3: So in the in the meantime, what, what's the what's the band up to? is it just a holding pattern just getting getting prepped and everything or
2: well essentially we, we've known for a while that 2021 is pretty much off the table so I, you know everyone's kind of doing different projects like to kind of get by and make a living kind of do do different things um but you know there's still a lot of work you know with the record in terms of um you know the record comes out october 29th so It's, you know, it's social media, it's interviews, it's, you know, all the stuff that goes in with kind of laying out a record and kind of, you know, being connective and being part of that, you know, process. So, you know, and and in many ways, I think it's, you know, think about how many bands were gonna tour this period of time and then decided not to, be it the Deftones or Limp Bizkit ended up cancel their tour. So I kind of feel like we didn't lose out on too much not touring right now because it's so tumultuous out there. And it just, for me, I think the the real benefit is like once the record's out and then even if we don't tour till, you know, first quarter, second quarter next year, it'll actually really give people time to, to fall in love with the record and get familiar with it. So by the time we do play, it's like, it's not going to feel like, oh, I just heard the song last week and now they're playing it on stage. They'll have lived with it for five, six months. And, you know, I think that's kind of reflective of this time period where, we had a year and a half where no one toured but you know records still came out artists broke and you had to figure out new ways to promote your music and we're lucky with the the record label we have they have they have such a footprint being you know with radio and spotify uh you know playlists and all these things and, I, and honestly the truth be told too there's just a lot of people rooting for us out there which is you know is a, is a, is a cool thing. You know, I think this, all this hullabaloo has kind of created that other narrative of people wanting to see the band succeed despite all odds.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, to continue on with that, I mean, obviously bad wolves has been pretty vocal on social media about what the stuff that happened with Tommy. And I'm curious, you know, that as I'm sure a lot of bands go through tumultuous things, What, how did you come to that decision, you know, collectively or individually of, you know, why to speak out about it because that's a tough thing you know to become vocal about things that are going on rather than just kind of slipping it under the radar and moving on and using a word like abusive
0: is pretty strong and i mean and and that leads to a lot of different ideas and it's kind of like well can you paint the picture of why yeah i understand where siobhan's coming from why you would use a word like that and what it actually connotated because that's a that's a that's a scary situation it sounds like
2: Tommy hit me, that's, that's, abuse. <laughs> he hit me. He physically assaulted oh me, dude. <laughs> you know, and
0: I haven't talked about that publicly. Can you paint that picture for us? I mean, like he, he just came up and like, explained that to us, like humanize the situation.
2: We got into an argument on the bus about a song, you know, and he hit me, you know, you know, and, and, you know, it was like an open hand, but still enough to bust my lip, you know, it took me to the ground. It was like, you know, cause he, he said he was a God. He actually said that? He said I'm a god, call me a faggot, <gasps> you know, and then and and while he's raging on top of me, you know, he go I go um I go, you know, he's I was like, yo, you got hit me just hit me cuz I wasn't fighting it. That's 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 the thing about f- fighting is a lot like sex. Um it's very different, you know, without consent, it's a different act, right? So like sure. if I don't agree to fight you, we're not in a fight. You're just assaulting the person, right? Sure, absolutely. You know, so you know, and I just basically go, and I'm wise on time. I was well, I love you, man. I love you. And he just it, that, that pissed him off. I left. I filed a police report. I left the tour. You know. So but I haven't I literally haven't mentioned that 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 publicly, but that's 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 some of the abuse.
0: Well, okay, so let me ask wow. you this. Do you think I mean that's this, Look, I'm not this, defending, is this, this is April
2: of 2019, by the
0: way. I'm not defending yeah. him at all, but do you think that there's some, like, there must be some serious abuse he's come from or some serious fuckery that's led him to get to that point? Don't you think? Like, I mean, did you see him start to unravel? Because it sounds to me like he's been, I mean, I've been watching it online. He's unraveling, dude. He's getting to trap level.
2: Well, listen, I don't want to expound on that stuff too much. I'd really, sure, I feel, I feel yeah. like I'm in the position where. You know, I have to speak about my experience, and I got to okay. speak for me. You know, and 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 I don't know if this is necessarily the format to forum to go like all in because the truth is, if I did the tell all, we'd be here all fucking day. Like it's so crazy, and I feel like, you know, when you when you get into that stuff, like I said, it becomes a tit for tat. It becomes, like I said, no matter what I say, if I say anything disparaging it's they're in a food fight. They're both bad. Like it's, it's a very like, well, he said, she said, you know, and you know, and, and it's just a very difficult position because you don't want to kind of, you know, get involved. Like I do, I do not want to spend my life talking about negative things I don't you know what I'm saying or like dwelling yeah or negative things like I want to talk about what's happening now well Let's, it seems like he's
0: codependent and you guys want to move forward and it's really hard because you can't move forward when your ex-girlfriend's showing up, going let me in look what you did to me I will not, not was, be ignored Michael
2: I will China. not be ignored
0: I don't own a gun nevertheless many guns that would necessitate a gun rack doc
2: <laughs> no, my, no my favorite is actually remember uh what about Bob yeah, of course. Uh, he Remember. goes. He's never gone. See? <laughs> <He's right there. laughs> oh my god, dude! Uh, that's listen, craziness. B- but 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 listen. Um, some of that stuff I think is just gonna have to work out itself. You know. So, and, and I think in life, when when you encounter stuff that's not um, ideal, the thing you have to hone in on is what can I control? I can't spend my you know, my energy worrying about things I can't control. I can't control other people. I can't control, you know, major events. And so just, and that's, you got to go, Hey, what can I do? Right. So me, like I, I made, you know, when we were getting, you know, I don't even know how many people coming to our pages and like saying, we stole a song and all this craziness. I just, I've made my, my Instagram private, you know? Yeah. Whatever. Is it a big deal? It's not really a big deal, you know? Uh, but, you know, does it give me a little solace to not have to, you know, and I still got people, people who follow me coming in, telling me all those terrible things I did. And you go, okay, you know what? I'm not, I'm just going to block you. Move on. I'm not going to argue with you. It's it's not worth the time, you know, because the truth is. Someone, I was going to say, ahead. someone posted a meme the other day that said
0: something to the extent of like during the 80s, uh, some uh, competitor to McDonald's posted a th- a third of a pound uh, burger versus a quarter pounder. And then Americans wouldn't buy it because they thought they were being screwed because they saw three instead of four. And that's what I feel like arguing with people on the internet is completely a metaphor for. It's like, no, man, I want my quarter pounder. You could fuck your third pounder. I'm just like, dude, I don't even know the metric system.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's an impossible battle with people that know nothing about your lives and the situation trying to chime in. And it's really unfortunate. Yeah, it's hard to see, you know, if friends going through that.
2: Well, the funny thing about it, I guess maybe the is sad part is, is the realization of how few fans actually understand the way the music industry works. Like they don't understand that nine out of 10 times when artists sign the record labels, the label owns your master recordings. They own your copyrights. Um, and, you know, and you, and so when someone posts, you know, on, you know, uh, like, like the not official version of stuff, like that's a crime, it's illegal. You can't do that. Like, you know, and just you mean like the you, FBI
0: warning before all my VHS tapes.
2: Exactly. You're, yeah. Oh, no, okay. You know, you know, you're not allowed to sell uh, bootlegs of uh, Kill Bill out the out the trunk of your car. You know, um, so it's ironic that someone can do that, which is by the legal version of it is actually stealing, but we're accused of stealing. <laughs> you know, so and especially yeah. with, especially with that where it's like, you know, he accuses us stealing the song, but the only thing he wrote was lyrics that we changed. So he doesn't play an instrument, he doesn't play guitar, he, so he didn't write the music, he didn't write the vocal melodies, he wrote some lyrics and we changed those. And he doesn't own the master recordings, he doesn't sounds own like the he copyright. he likes to write history. But somehow, it's stolen. <laughs> like, like What's that? So he sounds like he likes to
0: write history, like China. He's just gonna be <laughs> like, you know what? Doc didn't write this song, I did. And now it's real because he said it in Wikipedia.
2: Well, yeah, no, but, I, but here's the thing. You didn't I write think... it. I wrote it on
0: Wikipedia. It's real
2: now.
1: <laughs> okay, let him talk, Ben.
2: <laughs> no, but uh, no, but I think that's kind of the sign of ultimate power, is being able to shape reality, is be going to say I whatever I deem it to be, that's what it is, and the actual facts. And as long as I can convince enough people, then, and you know, and that's like kind of the emperor's disease, right? Is that I'm just going to surround myself with yes, Ben. Who are going to go, hey, you know, the emperor's clothes, right? Like, so, and, and that, and it, and we're in a post truth era, right? People don't really fact check things, right? The fact checkers are biased. They're this. It's, you know, there, there's no objective truth anymore. The truth is, you know, you basically start with a worldview and then you find convenient evidence, cherry pick evidence to back up your original idea. So, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, like I said, I, I do think over time things will kind of bear out. And I do think also it's still a small minority on the internet. And I I just don't think the real, if you turn off your phone, if you erase all those social media, the stuff would basically not exist. Sure. You know, so it's it's such a, um, (coughs) we're kind of a victim of the the moment and the mediums that we feel like, oh, if I'm not on this all the time, I'm not promoting my band, or I'm not being available and I'm not, you know, I'm not being present. And it's unfortunate we're now like, if you say, "Hey, I don't want the toxic energy of social media in my life," an artist manager will go, "You're lazy. You you don't you have to do this. You ha-, you know what I'm saying? Like it's kind of sh- I'm not saying our managers are saying that. I'm just saying like if you were an up and coming artist and you had no following. Your only way to expose yourself is through social media." It's like a requirement. It sucks.
0: Well, it's, it's funny you were saying that because on, on the podcast I was talking to you earlier, they were saying, like, was it required to be in a band anymore? And I said, you know, it, it, are they talking about talent? I said, talent just gets you through the door. Like, one of the things that was very fascinating talking to Dustin, the singer of Star Set, was he looked at Ron, the bass player, and the first thing he said was he's very operational. And he understands how to be strategic and like he's a logistics guy. So it's like the fact that he's a murderous bass player, who gives a fuck? But the fact that he can look at all the Google Analytics and understand (laughs) it, he's part of the fucking Star Set Society. And I'm like, dude, so like you can't just be in a band anymore. Now it's like you have to be a marketing guy. You have to be an engineer guy. You have to be an executive producer. You have to be a producer. You have to make sure that you show up. You have to make sure you have TikTok. You have to make sure you have Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, Friendster. It's like what the fuck, dude? It's way too much shit
3: <laughs> well uh doc with everything that's gone down and and obviously still kind of being in the middle of it uh is there anything that's like obviously uh, obvious that, that you've learned personally or professionally that you're gonna kind of take with you moving forward because of everything
2: um i don't know you know i i i think i don't know i, I think definitely in terms of like how the environment turned to what it did. Like, I feel like anytime you have something that's suboptimal, doesn't go the way you want to, the first, most important thing is go, what did I do to put myself in the position to end up in a in a place that was not opportune? So I think that's like where you go learn, okay, why, you know, how do I not put myself in those situations in the future? But it's also, I think it makes me reassess just like what I want in life, right? Like what do we, one out of life, like I'm not in a band because it's supposed to be like a battle. You know, I'm in a band, it's supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be like the cool job, you know? So all these other aspects, um, they're not cool. It's not cool. So you go, and I've had times in my life where I'm like, "Yep, I'm good, I'll go bartend. I like, you know, working, like, there's a lot of solace in working a regular ass job that you're not invested in at all, <laughs> you know? You never sleep better. <laughs> when, you not, when you leave a you know, job that you just don't care about, you know? I have nightmares about music, the music business, all the time, right? And so, like, I always leave that in my back pocket that I'll never let this industry hold me hostage, you know? And go, like, because like, that desperation that I need a record deal I need to be on tour, I need to be in a band, people see that and they exploit you. You know, it's yeah. a very exploitative uh, industry. And so I you know in in many ways, you know I, th- I could look at like elements of immaturity myself and go, that's something I need to work on, but there's elements of always keeping that child like um wonder, you know, and that's like the that same kernel, of the reason why I started doing this is the thing I'm going for like you you want that to kind of pay off that being in a room with your buddies making music, playing a show and have that vibe just that. You know, I don't want to lose that. Like, I never want this to just be about money or just well, about. People,
0: one of the things that I think that we've learned to gauge success is the quality of your problems. And I, I'm sort of curious because, first off, you're dealing with a lot of drama at very gracefully in, in the press. And my question becomes, like, there's so many bands that like they are probably sitting at home going, I wish people cared about my singer enough where they like listen to my version of my new single versus the other version of that single and then compare the single to my single and then write comments about that single and then go look for that single and then try to download the single and then decide who's the best guy. Like, is this a good thing in some way even though you're going through fucking hell the fact that you're banned? It, like, I listen to that and I go, I'm going to hear this in Walmart and everywhere because that shit is fucking catchy as fuck in the greatest of ways. But like you're going through hell is it worth it? And do you want this attention despite the fact that it's horrifying and toxic?
2: Well, I think each band member has to decide that for themselves if it's, if it, if, if it's worth it. Um, <clears throat> but I will say this. Uh, the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. So the fact that there's a passionate response either way means that somehow people are invested in the story. And even a lot of the haters, even a lot of them, I think it's just a snapshot in time because if... if Ultimately, it's like if the burger tastes good, motherfuckers gonna buy it. All right, I, I know a lot of I know I know a lot of liberal ass motherfuckers that'll be at that line at Chick Fil A, you know, <laughs> eating them eating them hate hate filled sandwiches. Mm,
1: I love it. I love it in, so <laughs> oh, right? you are so ow. right.
2: You know, so homophobia if, never tasted so delicious. That's right. That's right. So if the product is good, right, then people will consume. Like, yo, here's the thing. Our version is the one that's going to be on the radio. Our version is the one's going to be on Spotify. It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on these places. So they're going to hear it. They're going to be familiar with the band. The band ain't going anywhere. So eventually it's this thing of like, I get it. You want to be like vested interest in something. But ultimately, if it's good, people dig it. And By the way, yo, this is a wonderful thing about the world of kind of rock, like big rock music. There's a lot of fans out there. Just because those people don't like you don't mean there's a million more of them out there that would be totally down for the cause, you know? So, uh, and I, and I'm of the mind this, like if there were fans of our band who only cared about our singer and didn't care about any of us, why the fuck would I want you to be my fan? If you don't yeah. care about me, if I'm just like, you're a shitty fan. Like I don't want <laughs> shitty fans. <laughs> I, I was, was like, going
0: to ask you that the customer like- is not always right. Doc The <laughs> customer <laughs> is
2: not always right. But, but no, but, but really think about that for a second. Like, why would I be upset? that someone said they're not going to follow my band because someone else left and they don't care about me. So I'm like, well then here, man, I'll, I'll drive you to the airport, which yeah. you know is yeah. like, like, bye. Like why would I, you know, I'd, you know, I'd rather have a smaller audience that actually gives a shit about everyone and cares about, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so, <coughs> you know, it's, I mean, that's something, you know, maybe that's a pride thing or just a general like self-respect thing of like That's fine. And by by the way, and I think that's, if you were just just purely talking about music, right? It's like, I would never be upset if someone doesn't like my band. Like everyone has an opinion. It's perfectly fine. Like if you don't like it, I would never be mad at one. was like, yeah, I'm not really into the music. I'm not really into the singer. That's fine. That's not even a diss. Just like, I'm not into it. That's good. There's tons of things. I'm not into
0: polarization though. Because like, I'll tell you this right now. I think Tommy has a great voice. He sounded fucking awesome in your band. He sounds like an asshole. Sounds like a guy I definitely don't want to be on tour with. But guess what? I watched the fucking video with DL, and he sounds awesome and left me wanting nothing. In fact, I'm excited to see you guys. Is that an opinion that people can have? Where like, hey, I like the old music, but I'm going to support
2: these guys anyway because they sound fucking awesome. And guess what? Doc writes the songs. Yeah. Well... I don't. I don't know. I'm a, like I said, I contribute. I would never, never say I'm the songwriter. I'm Look at how like, humble help, he is. I help. It's the facts. I'm listen. I, I keep it real. All right. I, I would never. Oh, you mean take like the, someone else saying that they took all the credit for writing all your music yeah, when they don't listen, write shit? And here's the thing. I would never, you know, disparage anyone else. I would never say that Tommy isn't immensely talented and has have a great voice. I think he's extremely talented, and that's you know, I would I would give him the respect that I was not given uh, of denigrating someone else's talent. Um, but, and, you know, and then that's, that's a tough thing. I said any band that loses a singer, uh, is in for a, a difficult situation. The good thing though, we only put out two records, you know, it's not like we did 10 albums and it was this, it was this mm-hmm. big thing. Um, and yeah, I think if I was being objective, I would say, of course, like, it was going to be a tough climb because so many people associated the band with him. And so you go, so in some ways, I think all the um, just really divisive activity may have made people more amenable to a singer change than if it had been for more innocuous innocuous reasons. You know, so, it, it's, so in some ways it created, like I said, this whole faction of people who were like rooting for us, who maybe, you know, because of all this other really like just terrible culture war. He vilified
0: himself. So he made ideal. it very
2: easy not to like. Yeah, but I just don't, I don't get really anyone who gets out on stage right and immediately is like going to do a partisan thing and like just alienate half the fans like you know you know it's like i don't see you know I went to that corn stain show you know i'm not gonna you know and you know some people saying things on stage are like if you don't agree with that politically then now you just bummed out some of those people there who are there as opposed to dude it's your job to entertain Right. Not you're not running for office. I'm not running for office. It's not, you know, and it's like the whole point of the rock show is so we can have a refuge from all the bullshit on the Internet, not for it to just be an amplification of that. Like, so it's I really enjoy the shows where it's more about the music, where it's about being together, being getting past our differences, not highlighting them. Um, That's what that's what I want. I think there's so much just a million and one ways to be stressed out in today's day and age that we you know this should be a refuge you know and it's and it sucks man because you can tell man it's like a lot of us man just they get they're on twitter all day or they're watching weird youtube videos or listen to am radio and they're just getting pissed off about something and they need somebody to blame and i'm with this team and we're gonna kill those and you don't you know it's like yo bring it down bro bring it down Bring it down, baby. Just okay, can I ask you the converse
0: of that, though? Because I feel yeah. like and maybe I'm going to get booed to shit for saying this. But in America, okay, we, <laughs> like, so I love oh, Iron you, Maiden. I love Iron America. Maiden unbelievably. But I think that the last few records that they've released have been horse shit. And that basically because they write long songs, because Bruce Dickinson can sing really awesome and it's all historical, people are just like, yeah, like the new album Send just to has four out of five stars in Rolling Stone, like nine out of ten. I've listened to it. It's boring. And I love Iron Maiden, but I think what it is is that people are so excited. Like the old metal community, if you saw the guy wearing the Maiden shirt, you're like, I don't care who he is, what he does, but he likes Maiden. We're friends. So now it's like, if Maiden releases a record, we're just like, oh, we're so happy that Maiden is here. I don't care if it's the same song slowed down and Blaze Bailey singing on it with Bruce and he's flying a turtle. It doesn't matter. It's just Iron Maiden. So now we're rewarding some bands for being mediocre, in my opinion, and they're just
2: doing the same thing over and over because we're just so What are so you happy. talking about? What are you talking about? This is, I yo, feel like there's a lot yo, of fans no,
0: being rewarded for mediocrity. No, no.
2: Here's the thing, all right? Iron You're, Maiden. You, I love them. Hold on. You or me or anyone here is not the arbiter of taste, or good or bad, right? <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> it's a meritocracy. So that means Iron Maiden, who just opened up number three on the Billboard charts and sold six. Congratulations 000, to those guys, by right? the way. That's amazing. Right? The fans decided that they wanted to support the band. We don't get to say how much they like it or what their personal experience with it. Sometimes I know this certain artists or I'm the film... shit fan. Oh no, my exactly. god, exactly, exactly. No, no, no. I'm the guy what... you don't want to like your band. No, no. But oh, what I'm saying man. is, there's some like some bands I buy their records sight unseen just because I want to support them. Do you know? What I, what I'm have Jitsu. So, I
0: have
2: jiu-jitsu. So there you go. But. I know, but then you went and just just drugged the damn record on area. Well, on no, air, because you know? I was <laughs> upset.
0: I'm upset because it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so some guy online played one of the, my favorite songs, 1.25. How, how old are you?
2: 38. 38. Okay. 30 more years. Let's see your records then to see how good they are.
0: Dude, listen. I'm just saying. Years do you know how hard for, it is could I, to could make
2: could I, albums like- I'm not going like, to make it to 30. I'm just 30 saying. 30 more well, years. My, my point is, is that just the fact, to think about it. Iron Maiden- Metallica ACDC, DC these bands never have to release another album again no. if they wanted to yeah. right they do it because they want to and then the fans go thank you we want this they want new music and like I said to each his own well do you I'm think it's here. better to
0: burn out or, or to fade away because like for example I, I'm a big Hunter S Thompson fan And I was talking about him last night and I I was like, hmm, I wonder what his suicide note was because I'm weird and I like wanting to Google it. So I'm going to read it to you because he sent it to Rolling Stone and it's listed as uh, football season is over. And I feel like it's very relevant for this conversation. No more games. No more bombs. No more walking. No more fun. No more swimming. 67. That's 17 years past 50. 17 more than I needed or wanting. Boring. I'm always bitchy. No fun for anybody. 67, you're getting greedy at your old age. Relax. This isn't going to hurt. And that's kind of how I feel about if I was a musician trying to be Nico McBrain.
2: Okay, can I I give you my opinion on Hunter S. Thompson? Brilliant writer, but he was basically, uh, you know, a misanthrope. I mean, he was an extremely cynical person who kind of hated the world and therefore hated himself. And he fucking quit, and he quit on life because he's a fucking quitter, all right? No, he had, he had, he had, no
0: some people know he had a debilitating disease and he was going okay. to die. So he just okay. decided to save everyone the grief by shooting himself in the head and then having okay. Johnny Depp send his ashes into space for 50 grand. But I digress.
2: Okay, so I overstayed the quitter part. But, you know, I I, I understand that part. But what, but what I'm saying is he was a fairly misanthropic person who generally leaned into – the, you know, I think there's, you know, and you go back to the 60s and, and this, you know, like you read his stuff on like the McGovern race and all like the idea of like crushed hope that, hey, we're through this counterculture, we're going to stop Vietnam and we're going to fix civil rights. Right. And they realize, hey, we actually we didn't fix anything and the war is still going and, and, and all your hope and all your stuff, it doesn't work out. And then we do, you do? You just become cynical and you go, I can't fix the world. I can't fix myself, so I'm just gonna drink and shoot shit out in the fucking woods. Well, no, but I'm you know dead. what? There's something fun about a guy
0: who's willing to go out in public and admit to killing John F. Kennedy to his son in front of people that are definitely listening to him, and then go through every reason why he did it. That's a certain type of humor that I feel like I need in my life. And granted, I no, realize I he's nihilistic.
2: He's like, Nietzsche. I love him as a as an individual. Like I, I put Hunter S. <laughs> in this thing. Like I actually had this hero wall, and he was up there, and I took him down because he's not a good person. No, he was yeah. bad, dude. He's
0: a piece no. of shit.
2: So, you know, it's, you can kind of, like, I respect the rebellious spirit that he represented. The, you know, it's a, it's a big, giant glass of fuck you that we can all, you know, like that Bukowski-esque. There's your title, hey, Corey.
0: Don't... Big, giant glass of fuck you, Doc Coil. <laughs> yeah.
3: Calling you know. Tommy Vexed.
1: It's a good summary for this yeah. episode. <laughs>
3: One, what we brought up a little while ago, a couple actually a couple times. Metallica has popped up, and uh, I believe you just you just wrote a piece uh, on on the anniversary of the Black Album.
2: Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, uh, my friend Katie Irizarry, who worked with me on the Last Words podcast, which is no longer with us, but uh, she uh, sh- shot me over to the guy at Spin Magazine who's putting together this article, I think it was like 30 artists or something, you know, did wrote kind of what the Black Album meant to them. And I kind of tried as succinctly as possible, just kind of put why I think the, the album mattered to me. Uh, and why I think somehow that also reflected in just young people and the universality that, every day a kid picks up guitar and tries to play under Sandman that's 12 years old and then, th- then goes from that, and then they want to start a band. And for some reason, it can still have that same, the same impact 30 years later is just, it's just insane. And it's just, you just can't, me- you just can't mess with it. So I'm, I'm all about it, you know? And uh, and the fact that you, you know, I didn't even know who was going to be in the article or anything. I saw it was like Slash was in there and all these big time people like, oh shit. Spin <laughs> <magazine.coil." laughs>
0: You know what I love, though, is when you talk to old curmudgeons, like like Paul Lorenzo, our drummer, and he's like, dude, I couldn't listen to anything past, like, master or whatever, and he's like, and you hear these differing stories, like, you know, the day the Black Album came out, was like, the blackest day in metal, like, in a bad way, whereas like, for me as a child, like, and I still to this day, like, I understand why the staunch Metallica freaks, Michael, that that was like light, but for, from, okay, I'm a producer, you know, I, I have to tell everyone that, I have to put the disclaimer, I'm a producer, but from a production standpoint alone, that is one of the greatest albums of all time, and it took metal to a place where like, 12, 13-year-old children would never have heard it. And I just remember like Optimus Prime breaking and fucking chasing James Hetfield and like things flight. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And there's an old man and I'm hearing harmonies and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it was one of the first records I literally like went to the store and looked for because it absorbed my being. And to this day, I think it's one of the best sounding records that every time I want to check out speakers, I put on Enter Sandman because that song is sonically fucking perfect.
1: There you go. You answered the question. was no, interesting to hear because I, I, I didn't grow up listening to Metallica. And so many of the people that we talked to, especially in rock and metal, they were a huge influence. So I always love hearing what, what it was about them that moved people because it seems like, you know, to they to my friends were like the Bach and Beethoven to me like the people that were groundbreaking and like really inspired me to do something
3: have you listened to the Black Album Siobhan?
1: I've listened to parts of it I haven't listened all the way through so I need to have a, an evening with that.
3: see those speakers behind you Brock's nice uh cows you need to crank that shit and just listen all the way through I'm gonna do that right right the and, and, crush, and crush beers the oh, entire time so, yes. so, listen,
0: so listen to this and I'll say this and, and Doc obviously knows this and this has been said a million times but this is an example of the difference between analog and digital so like one of the cool things about this record is it was made at a time where there was still a lot of analog stuff being done but uh, basically the way the album was recorded it it sounds sonically perfect and if you watch how it was made and for fuck's sake that sounds like the most difficult album ever made like they they did everything they could to make it sound awesome and when I used to work at a Best Buy and I would try to sell $10,000 speakers I would just say do you like Metallica stand right there and every single time, once the fucking drums came in, the hear, I would sell those speakers or they'd go over and get denied at the fucking credit card place because the credit <laughs> sucked. But that's not my fault. Metallica sold it 100% of the time, eight times out of
2: 10. <laughs> Listen, you don't got to sell me, man. I'm, all, I'm. this is part of my uh, personal audio, autobiography and it's it's, you know, it feels almost like, I don't know, part of like my skin or my DNA. It's just like, you know, it's 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 the best. It's the best, and it's cool. Like you know, listen to, listen to the covers and stuff that people are doing, and uh, I love. I just you know, I'm I'm a very like the type of person. Any type of work that is impactful and kind of, kind of you know, like certain things age very well with time, or sometimes they get they don't get almost better. Like certain films you watch, are like it almost gets better with with time. Um, and I love just going through that and trying to figure out why right have those conversations why what is it about this what is you know what can you learn from that and i and i, and I love things that are just kind of a snapshot in time that you could never remake right because the gear is different and the every little component to big things whether that's an old film or an old song or an old record it's i, lo- I just love that stuff i love getting into the weeds and being nerdy <laughs> yeah
3: are there any other um records from your youth or uh you know your developmental musical stage that you still kind of fall back to like the black album anything on that level
2: yeah i mean i'm pretty like i pretty much always am like i like if i'm driving i'll go what's one of my favorite albums i haven't listened to in a while and so like you know yesterday it was like mars volta de a comatorium or like day before that it was uh portis head live at roseland or you know um you know, not longer. I was on a, I was listening to Pearl Jam 10 like over and over again. Do you because... still have your CD book in the back of your car? No, my CD book actually got stolen. Um, oh, back shit. Like dude. 99 with two guitars <gasps> at a, Like, at, at a bar. So it was like the giant CD book. I mean, yep. so I, I do have some, I still have some of like my old CDs, Um, probably Black Album in, included. I, I got rid of everything, but I kept like just a handful of, of very uh, sentimental. CDs, but, you know, but I love that because, you know, there's just something about especially once you get to art, my age, it, you know, you have that thing of, hey, man, Man, times are just simpler, you know, man. <laughs> I'll tell you, you. you, know, it's
0: funny you say Absolutely. that song. We were I smoking to, grass, and I, 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 you know, I have to tell you about a moment because this happened to me recently, and it was it was really. All right, well,
3: Ben, um, this is the end of the episode, so make it quick. So it's
0: my it's my it's my rant. So I went and saw okay. garbage and Alanis Morissette, and Alanis Morissette was doing Jagged Little Pill, and. I love that fucking record. I love that record. I loved everything Good about record. that record. I I really did. It changed my life. It, 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 Glenn Ballard, like I it made me go. Who's a producer? What does he do? Why, how did he make this Alanis girl awesome? Is it Alanis? Is it Alanis? And like I went and saw Alanis Morissette with garbage, and. I hadn't seen a show in a long time. I saw Guns N' Roses recently, but but this was like the, the first show I feel like I was actually surrounded by a lot of people. And Shirley Manson came out on stage and she saw all the people out there and you could see her eyes well up. And she's like, I haven't seen a crowd like this in a long time. She's like, it's not like this all the time. And I started to cry because I felt cathartically like in touch with her. That, like, she's watching out, like, and, and, like, she's trying to explain to people, like, it isn't always like this. Not everyone's always just excited and how happy she was to be there, and they sounded so good. And then when Alanis Morrissey came out on stage, I didn't notice that there was lights. Like, somebody complained that there wasn't a lot of lights or this. I just listened to the songs. And I was so transfixed, I remember being in my grandfather's chair in Chicago, Illinois, like, just sitting there looking at my Discman, the LED light behind the Discman, and just pressing rewind and listening to the songs over and over and over. And I hadn't felt like that in 20 years. And I didn't realize, because I was crying, like, how much I actually needed music and how much it actually bothered me that I hadn't been out. And it took Alanis Morissette and Shirley Manson to show me that, like, I really... Was missing that, and I and to see them feel the same way with a whole audience there.
2: That's Can I M-Rant. say something about just about that era? Like I think, especially like I said, of course we have that nostalgia thing, but there's something about the '90s. It's kind of that last era '90s, early 2000s, where recordings like big major label recordings still sounded really organic, real yes. drums, like a lot of single vocals, right? Not a lot, like with not a lot of layering and when you kind of compare that to modern pop music, I was watching the VMAs last night and might as well call it the the solo artists, good looking solo artists with big butts, um, who are lip syncing with dancers. Like, cause it's, you know, and popular music, it's so completely, you know, varied from that point that I feel like people like myself feel a refuge when you listen to an Atlantis Morissette yeah. record. Oh, that's a person in a room. It's not like this plugin and this thing and auto tune and all this stuff that feels so impersonal and so I think that what defines that era was vulnerability. Like that was that was the era that kind of killed the rock star because the first time rock stars were like, no, I'm just I'm a piece of shit and I'm <laughs> you know I'm depressed and I'm on heroin and and it, and it got like you know we're not going to dress like rock stars or wear like this granny fucking sweater and and you know and so it kind of killed the rock star. But there's something true to that era that just feels like, man, this is this is the kind of this is the last gasp with that thing, you know, that 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 authenticity. So that's something that I tend to go back towards and wanna be in that energy. Absolutely. So we're gonna ex- we're
3: gonna expect some very raw,
2: organic Bad Wolves coming soon. Is that what we're gonna no. say? <laughs> bad wolves don't make records. <laughs> Listen, Bad Wolves is not is not that bad. We're we're definitely much more in the kind of like very produced sound. That's definitely. Is uh, it more
0: uh, you ought to know or hand in my pocket?
2: <laughs> None of that,
3: man. <laughs> All right, new school. Well,
2: new school.
3: New <laughs> school, and we and we can't wait to hear more from you guys. Um. So as we wrap up this this part 1 uh, with Doc, thank you for joining us again. Thank, thank you, you for so opening much man. Up. Thank you for opening up and kind of like giving yeah, us a, you know you. A peek peek into what's going on, you know, obviously we're we're seeing everything just through the, the blogs and stuff. Thank so. you. Wait
2: till, wait till people pick this up and then I get a call from my label. Amen. <laughs> so you well, sure. We have
3: great news. We have 7 followers and they're uh, they're all related, they're our parents. So yeah.
0: I wouldn't worry Hey, no, about. no, no. You know what? No, I knew we made it today on 2020 because when I went to Ultimate Guitar, they actually transcribed me talking about misogyny. Me, not even our guests, me talking That's about misogyny. That's what I was referring
1: to earlier I, when I was And I'm like, you know that. what?
0: I'm like the fact that a stenographer got paid from Ultimate Guitar to, to go through my misogyny slash massage with a happy ending joke and write that out so my mom could then write good job and then repost it
3: was worth everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> stay so tuned. So, anyway,
1: stay yeah. tuned. Thanks to Doc for sticking, stick around for part two. You've been 20, Doc
3: Coyle
0: on Instagram and where can we find the Bad Wolves online? Is it badwolves.com? Is it the real Bad Wolves? Like, wh- where's the real Bad Wolves
2: reside? <laughs> no, ours, ours is uh. Actually, I'm looking at the site now. What is it? That's That's a good question. What was bad? (laughs) I don't know. It's well, it was our regular website, excuse me, is badwolvesnation.com. But I guess check this out the pre order is badwolves.ffm.to backslash deer monsters. You can pre order all the uh, vinyl and then the signed version of the record, and all that stuff. So just Google it. We'll, uh, we'll put a link. We'll put a link in the description. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, the vinyl, <laughs> even though we we can pre-order it now, it's probably not going to show up till 2022. It's a big back order. Oh yeah. I yeah. We know, yeah.
1: <laughs> we know.
3: Stay tuned later this week with Doc Coyle on 2020. Thank you as always for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit two zero two zero dcom Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. And of course, stay tuned later this week for part two with Doc Coyle. This week's throwback clip is from our recent chat with Satchel of Steel Panther, episode 99. Check it out.
0: You know, I'll tell you, one of the the proudest moments that I ever had as an entertainer was going on stage in a casino and playing a set that was 45 minutes and walking off the stage and realizing that we only played two songs. And (laughs) in the course of 45 minutes, and two songs nobody left and i thought i thought that's that to me was success like we entertained this crowd nobody left we played two fucking songs so that meant for fucking 38 minutes we fucking just bullshitted (laughs) with people and they were entertained enough not to throw anything at me or leave the fucking audience so to me that was cool like if you've got that tool then do it